This episode of Juice Crew Radio is brought to you by Try Best, making healthy living easy. Welcome. Welcome to Juice Guru Radio. Discover what the magic and power of juicing can do for you. And now, your host, best-selling author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Juice Fasting, Steve Prusak. And hello, welcome to Juice Guru Radio. I'm your host, Steve Prusak. It's great to be with you. And today we've got Dr. Will Tuttle, a visionary educator, presents all over the world, author of the number one Amazon bestseller, The World Peace Diet, his latest work, uh, Your Inner Islands, The Keys to Intuitive Living. We're going to hear all about creating a conscious and healthy lifestyle, psychological, spiritual health, and more. So get some tea, some juice, some water. We'll be back right after this with Dr. Will Tuttle. Did you know you can make a great living in the hottest new business trend today? The Juice Guru Certification Program is the world's first online course to give you the knowledge and marketing skills to excel as a juicing coach and start making money in no time. Find out more at JuiceCoachTraining.com. Juice Guru Radio. Well, welcome back to the show. Like I said, I'm Steve Prusak. We've got Dr. Will Tuttle here, visionary educator who presents all over the world. Number one Amazon bestseller, The World Peace Diet. It's one of my favorite books. It deserves to be on every bookshelf in the world and recommended highly. So please do get a copy. He's also the recipient of the Courage of Conscience Award and the Empty Cages Prize. And his new book, Your Inner Islands, The Key to Intuitive Living. Let's welcome to the show right now because it's time to wake up with Dr. Will Tuttle. All right. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And uh, I, I really think these are the ideas that we on planet Earth at this time uh, really need to think about, talk about, and um, share with each other. Thank you, Dr. Tuttle. And thank you for, you know, bravely stepping to the platform to deliver what needs to be heard. So let's dive into your work and a little about what you're doing and really the overall message, what is the healthiest diet for us, first of all, if we really want to live the best life ever? Great. Well, yeah, thanks, Steve. You know, I think that's um, when we talk about diet, <clears throat> we're talking, uh, usually we're talking about the kind of foods uh, that we're eating, and in your case, also the foods that we're juicing and drinking. And, uh, but basically, we're talking about plant-based foods. And uh, although I will say that Besides our, our diet of foods uh, and drinks that we're consuming, there's also the mental diet, the emotional diet, the reading diet, the diet of, that we take in on, um, on, the, on television and through the computer and so forth. And, uh, but really, we'll, we'll focus mainly, I think, probably on looking at the consequences of our cultural uh, food choices, our culturally imposed food, food choices. And I think the healthiest diet for us to be eating, uh, and it's good, I think, to look at all five levels of health, is a whole food, organic, plant-based diet, uh, foods that are <clears throat> grown uh, as much as possible, as I said, organically and locally if possible. But the most important thing, I think, is that they're plant-based because it's the, the underlying idea is that animal agriculture and foods that come from animals like meat, dairy products, eggs, fish, and so forth are devastating on many levels. And I'll, I'll just give a brief overview maybe of that and just say at the very beginning that wherever you are on your journey, you know, this adventure of a human life, that's perfect. You know, I'm not trying to change anyone. I think the underlying idea is to change ourselves and then just to share uh, our uh, insights and what we've found works well for us. And everyone is free to choose the thing that I discovered is that the only reason I was eating animal foods for all those years that I did was because I was following orders that were actually injected into me by very well-meaning people, my parents and teachers and uh, neighbors and friends and relatives and so forth. Um, however, they were injected into me uh, without my permission and because I was, I was told that I needed to eat these foods to get enough protein, to get enough calcium and so forth. And uh, I realized, fortunately, that these uh, orders uh, that I eat these foods were not in my best interest, and they're not in, actually in the best interests of, of anyone. And uh, I was able to question those orders because of seeing uh, people in a different type of community, people that were actually vegetarians, uh, actually vegans, and that made a huge difference to me back when I was in my early 20s. So I think the underlying idea is just to understand, first of all, that all of us are individuals. We have the power 
that individuals have. We have the power, each one of us is an individual, to make our own choices and to deepen our connection with our inner wisdom and to live as best we can a life of purpose and meaning and to contribute as best we can to the healing uh, not only of our, ourselves and our loved ones, but of our world, and to be creatively involved in this lifetime because it's not that long. You know, we only have a few years here, and I think it's good to remember that after seven, eight, nine, maybe drink a lot of juice, maybe 10 decades, we get, you know, we get a few decades. Uh, that's great, but to really do the best we can to live our unique life, and that in order to do that, uh, we are, I think, really called to connect with our inner wisdom and not just follow orders that were injected into us. So we have the power of, in, of us as individuals. We also have the power of community. And what I mean by community is essentially the society that we're raised in and also the communities that we're part of and also the communities that we can help create. So what I said earlier was the only reason I was eating animal foods all those years was because of the communities that I was raised in, uh, as I said, my parents and, and so forth. So I was just following orders that I received from infancy. Just the time I was a little kid, I was told that I had to eat these foods. And when I was about 22, um, I went on this spiritual pilgrimage with my brother. We ended up traveling across the country, and we ended up for a while at a community called The Farm in Tennessee back in 1975. And they were people who they called themselves vegetarians. Today, we would call them vegans in the sense that they didn't eat meat or dairy or eggs, but no one heard of the word vegan in 1975. So that was, for me, I experienced a different community and a different narrative. See, the power of community mainly is in the narrative, the story that we're told. From the time we're little kids, we're told this story about who we are and what our relationship with animals and with each other is and what we need to eat and all of that, and we believe it. And we, and we learn the language, we learn all these things. And so we think even in the terms and concepts and language of our community. And so, but for me, and I think for, for all of us right now, we can be exposed to alternative communities with a different narrative. So I was exposed to this narrative and I saw 900 people and they were all basically vegans and they were thriving, probably 200 kids. They had never eaten meat or dairy in their lives, and they were uh, totally doing great, you know. And I, so I was very impressed with their creativity, their enthusiasm, their vitality. And I said, why are you guys vegetarians? And they said, well, there's two main reasons. One reason is most of the food that we're growing on the earth today, 80% of it, we're not feeding to people. We're feeding to animals who are stuck away in these stinking sheds where they never see the light of day. And uh, it's very wasteful. These, these animals basically convert healthy plant-based foods and grains and legumes and so forth into four things, saturated fat, cholesterol, acidifying and inflammatory animal protein, and huge amounts of sewage uh, and methane and carbon uh, dioxide and so forth that are toxic really for uh, our climate. So and for our ecosystem. So uh, they, they mentioned that, this, uh, that the food shortages that result from this are the dri driving force behind war and conflict. So they wanted to create a world that was more peaceful so they were eating lower on the food chain so there would be enough for everyone to eat. You know, so that was the basic idea, just to eat in a way that would be more uh, just and, and more uh, kind and loving, not just to animals, but to other people. And, they, and then the second reason was they said to me, would you like to know what the animals go through that we're eating? And this is another thing. It's like, no, I don't want to hear about it. Don't tell me about these poor animals. But they just mentioned a few of the main points, which I think it's always good to be aware of, that every day in the United States we're killing enormous numbers of animals, and worldwide, of course, even much more, but 75 million every day. So we have this huge industrialized killing machine that was already going before we were born, right? We were born into this, and so we're – taught to just go along with it by the community that we're raised in because these are the foods that we're eating. And so they were- Well, the first thing yeah. someone's going to say to you there is, uh -huh. you know, but, you know, weren't the animals, and this is the cultural conditioning, weren't the animals put there for us? Weren't they, you know, isn't that why we have all the, and if we had, and if we didn't eat them, then they'd overrun the earth, you know, that kind of thing you might hear too. Right, right. So, yeah, exactly. So these are the basic- um, uh, objections that people have to these ideas. And I, I had all of those internalized myself. And I knew mm -hmm. by the time I was 13 years old, I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that God gave us these animals to eat, not the other ones, not dogs and cats, but like the Chinese, they're crazy, you know, but the, <laughs> you know, they, 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 God gave us the cows and pigs and chickens 
and that they don't have a soul like we do and we're completely superior to them and they're inferior to us and if you don't eat them you're definitely going to die within 24 hours of a protein deficiency and you know these 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 stories are part of the narrative and uh, we think that this is just the way it's always been so the research i did in the world peace diet uh, that really came out of my experience at this community at the farm was because they, they showed me that you don't need to eat these animals to thrive and be, and, uh, be healthy. And uh, so started to question that. And then in the research for the World Peace Diet, I basically began to realize that 10,000 years ago, human beings in Iraq for the very first time started herding animals, sheep, goats, and then later cows, and then later chickens and pigs and so forth. And it was this culture that actually developed for the first time on planet Earth uh, a society with a wealthy elite class controlling the entire society. They developed war for the first time. They, they really de developed and pioneered a patriarchal uh, uh, domination and exploitation of women and the role model of young boys to, uh, of a hard, tough, disconnected male capable of violence against animals and women and rival herders. And that these cultures spread and that basically we're still we're born into that culture today, and that's why we have such se severe problems essentially in our society is that we're eating foods that are not only devastating to ecosystems and devastating to our society because it, they cause hunger and hunger is the driving force behind war, but they're they're really harmful to our physical health. But beyond that, to our uh, psychological health, our spiritual health, our emotional health, our ethical health, the health the health of our internal. Uh, environment and uh, the, the internal landscape of our consciousness so for me it was this basically realizing back when I was 22 years old that there's another way of living because I experienced these people at the farm in Tennessee and then uh, I was able to question this and they and they showed me about you know a little bit about the violence that animals endure which I didn't want to hear about and then uh, just eating every day with them kind of sealed the deal. So from that day back in 75, that was like 43 years ago, I have never eaten any meat. A few years later, I went vegan in 1980. And then a few years after that, I lived for the second time in my life in a community that was vegan. And this time it was a Zen monastery in Korea where people had been practicing this for like 800 years, 750 years, something like that since the 1200s. So I realized that this whole way of questioning uh, eating meat and dairy products and eggs and eating a healthy plant-based uh, diet, essentially, uh, is, is not, we call it veganism, but in a way it's not veganism. That's just a new word for an, an ancient practice. There's a Japanese word called shojin, which means uh, eating a plant-based diet for ethical reasons, for example. And it's, it's designed to help clarify our mind to help create harmonious relationships with other people, to help create a healthy uh, ecosystem, a set of ecosystems like water and soil and air and, and so forth. And this has been well understood for hundreds of years, probably thousands of years that people have actually understood this. However, this understanding has been repressed and not only in the outer world, but also in the inner world. So this is where it gets, I kind of come back to the basic idea of the two powers, the, the individual, which is each one of us, like right now we're talking, and each one of us can understand these ideas or make an effort to understand uh, these ideas and to do our own research, but also the power of community. In other words, we're eating animal foods because of the communities we're raised in, but we can also create alternative communities based on kindness, sanity, health, vitality, awareness, peace, freedom, liberation, tenderness, mercy, these kind of communities, and we're, we have one right now online. Like you and I are basically, in a sense, co-creating uh, a community that's based on questioning the official narrative of the existing society and the communities we're raised in and creating an alternative. So that's the great thing, I think, about what we're talking about here with, uh, with vegan living is it's not merely a critique of a system that's obsolete and completely devastating and destructive to our environmental health, our societal health, our physical health, our psychological health, and our spiritual health, we have a wonderful alternative. And, and vegetables, there's hundreds of different types of vegetables and fruits, uh, grains, nuts, and seeds, and so forth. These grow everywhere, and we can, we, we're doing that. I mean, we're, we're, for uh, thousands of years, we're eating these. And uh, for some reason, you know, there's anthropologists, uh, I'm not really sure of the reason why people started owning animals as property and stealing their lives and stealing their purposes and stealing their children, stealing their babies, stealing their milk and eggs and so forth. 
And that led essentially into a world of violence and disease. And we can see that very clearly. I used to teach college courses in uh, world religion and, and mythology, and it's just very fascinating to see that across the world, there's a, a fundamental similar myth that at one time in the past, we human beings lived in a golden age or lived in a garden that was abundant, where we were in harmony with each other, where we were healthy, where we lived to be very old and happy and animals were not afraid of us and didn't run away and, and we didn't have war and violence and domination and oppression of each other. But something happened and we, we were th sort of thrown out of the garden or the golden age ended and we're in this iron age. There's all these different stories, but I think it goes back essentially to our food. Because when, we're, when we started to own animals, when we started to look at them with this eye of not seeing them as a being with respect and kindness, and we started seeing them as just a commodity, I own you, I'm going to steal what I can. And this revolution that took really actually hundreds of years, thousands of years, gradually changed the way that our human communities were set up. And we can see that we're born into a community today where this is what we're taught from the time we're little kids. As soon as we get the little baby food, there's veal and chicken and turkey and beef and cheese. And so we're eating foods. And, and, and scientists understand this. I mean, when, when we do autopsies on 10-year-old kids, already their blood vessels, the epithelial cells are being damaged. They're on, right on their way to heart disease, you know, and all these other problems, cancer, type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, uh, obesity, and so forth. This is unnecessary. But if we're eating foods we're not designed to be eating, then we find that we're eating not only foods that are toxic to us physically, but foods that are toxic to us uh, psychologically and our attitudes. We're, we're really eating, besides the food, we're eating attitudes. So that's the thinking, thing. Yeah. That was such a comprehensive answer. That was amazing. And I was thinking back to, you know, school in New Jersey and getting my master's degree and back to Cedar Ridge High School and history and this is like, you know, the world according, like, we're not, we're not being taught this. We're, we're, the truth isn't out there. And how do we go up against these hot new trends like, you know, putting butter in our coffee and the caveman diet, the paleo is the way. And I see so many people buying into this. How do we uh, shed light on the truth? That's great. You know, that, that shedding light on the truth, uh, Mahatma Gandhi called that satyagraha, a truth power. And that's really, the, that's really the great power that we have is the fundamental truth, which is that we all know in our bones that animals are beings and that they, do, that they have interests. And if any one of us saw someone you know, mercilessly beating a, a dog or something like that, we would do whatever we could to stop that from happening. We don't like to see violence. And, we, and when we see roadkill by the side of the road, an animal that was just killed somehow by a car we don't go you know we know on our bones that we don't want to go running over to that and, and start chewing on it right <laughs> we want to walk far away <laughs> from that you know we don't see little squirrels and think oh i just can't wait to tear that little squirrel apart and have the hot blood in my mouth you know that is not who we are so we are all unfortunately through rituals this is the thing to understand psychologically um, we have had, we've been wounded, all of us. I, w I went through the wounding. You know, I, I was forced, you know, to, to be born into a culture, organized around herding animals, and to participate in that. And I didn't, I didn't just watch my adult, you know, my, the adult people around me, my parents and so forth, eating meat and dairy. I had to eat it too. I had to feed it to my little sister. I had to teach her to eat it, right? So we're all taught to eat this. And, and whatever food we're taught by our parents, we take that very seriously. But we're, again, we're not just eating food, we're eating attitudes. So like the, the kids that you're talking about, your friends in, in New Jersey and so forth, uh, learn, we learn the history, we learn the story, we learn the narrative of our society, uh, and it's very conveniently changed. I mean, you know, we talk about uh, the other animals as if they're far inferior to us. Very often we talk about them as using the word it, right? You know, I killed it, like it's just a thing. And so, we're taught in our language. We, we, when we think about uh, going down like myself, when I went down uh, to breakfast as a kid and my mother was serving bacon, I was the first one there. <laughs> I love bacon, right? All that uh, fat and uh, salt, yum, yum, yum. I really wanted to have some of that, you know. Now I realize how toxic it actually was. But that's the thing. We're, we're taught to eat these foods and we're not told the true stories. My mother didn't want to tell me. She probably didn't even know. 
the, what that poor pig went through. And if she had told me that this is the flesh of an animal who was hyper-confined and who was horribly abused and was in terrible pain and fear, I would not have wanted, I would have said, you want me to, I don't want to hear about it. You want me to eat it? I don't want to, I don't want to eat that. Now, that's our natural wisdom and empathy and awareness. If you look at our physiology, I have a whole chapter in the World Peace Diet, you know, the physiology, the intelligence of human physiology, our teeth, uh, the way our jaw is constructed, the way our, our uh, circulatory system, our digestive system, it's all based on eating plant-based foods. We can eat meat and dairy, but that doesn't mean we should be doing it. We feed huge amounts of meat, for example, to cows in order to fatten them up and make them give more milk. It, it's very hard on their system. It gives them E. coli, which makes them sick, which makes us sick. It gives them cancer, but that's not the point. They're being exploited. We want them to eat the foods we want them to eat because we want to maximize our profit. So we're going to eat them foods that are going to make them sick so we can maximize profits. So they're eating meat and, and, um, and fish meal and bo uh, blood meal. They're eating uh, ground up dogs and cats and so forth. They're eating this horrible stuff to, make, to fatten them up and make them give more milk because they're being exploited. And essentially, we have to realize that any one of us, if I'm eating meat or dairy products, it's really the same thing. I'm eating those foods because I'm being exploited. There are definitely industries they get very wealthy off of sick people. They don't get wealthy off of healthy people. I, you know, I haven't given any money to the medical industry in like 40 years to speak of. You know, so, and vegans in general, especially people eating like you're talking about in, in Juice Guru Radio, eating really healthy you know, juice, you know, eat, getting all this vi vital nutrients, you know, having our body just flooded with, with love and, and sunshine and fruits and vegetables and, you know, this kind of caring, conscious eating. I mean, we're not going to be giving a lot of money to the, what I call the military, industrial, meat, medical, pharmaceutical, media, banking complex. Now, this complex that is set up that makes money, unfortunately, on disease and also on conflict. We're trying to essentially uh, sh share these ideas as a blessing to each other and to our children, as a grassroots way of bringing peace and healing to our physical bodies, to our minds, to our spirits, to our society. Because as that ancient um, hurting society based on violence and domination, now it has its hands on nuclear weapons. Now it has its hands on massive machines that can cut down the rainforest at an acre per second. You know, we, we, we've got to disarm that culture, which is destroying our planet and making us sick, and it also confuses our minds. It makes us confused. It makes, it's well understood. If, we're eating, if I'm eating a lot of meat and dairy products, I'm eating so many toxins that it's difficult for, uh, in many ways for clear thinking. Uh, intelligence is, is reduced because the attitudes underlying animal agriculture are the attitudes of disconnectedness. Don't make the connection. Just follow orders. Just believe what you're told. Just trust us. You know? All we're talking about is questioning. Now, question the official stories. Trust your intuition. Trust your inner wisdom. Uh, connect with nature uh, and connect with animals. And, and, and really try, uh, try something new. Get out of the rut. And the other thing, the other big thing is the hardest thing about, about really making a change for a lot of people is being different socially. You know, I want to eat the same food everybody else is eating because mm -hmm. we bond over food, right? So if somebody comes into the, and sits down at the lunch table with us and they say, well, I'm vegan, everybody's like, uh-oh, this guy, I don't like this guy because <laughs> he's judging me, right? He's already telling me I'm not, even though, even I don't say anything, <laughs> we already feel well, like- Well, you're, <laughs> you're insulting my whole lineage by, you know, you're, right. you're, you're saying my mother was wrong or my grandmother- right. Right, exactly. Why that would be. Yeah, because really, I, I, I've been thinking about this lately. You know, the, the, the basic idea is if we humans were just logical and rational, then w you and I, we wouldn't have to go on all, all over and over again talking about veganism. People would just get it and go vegan, right? It's so obvious that it's devastating to our physical health, to our society, to our environment. It's the most devastating thing we're doing. But we, we cling to it. We just can't give it up. It's really because of the, like you're saying, the social thing. My mother gave me that roast beef and I knew I was loved when I got that roast beef. Don't take that away. <laughs> and the tribe, I want to, when I go to church, I want to eat what everybody else is eating. When I go to the office, I got to eat what everybody else is eating. When I go home to Thanksgiving and Christmas, I got to eat the turkey. I got to be like everybody else. 
So really, that's the power of community, but that's, in a sense, the toxic power of community. So we have also the healing power of community where we create alternative communities where we support and celebrate living a life of kindness and freedom. That's what this, this show is, right? A vegan restaurant is the same thing. It's a community based on awareness. When we talk like, like, you're, like you're doing with your trainings about the benefits of juicing, um, that's creating a community that supports healing, that supports awareness, that supports joy and liberation. Because as long as we're imprisoning animals and destroying ecosystems, we're not going to be free and healthy ourselves. And we know that, I think, intuitively. It's just that our natural intelligence gets hijacked by the food system and by the attitudes required by such a massive food system that's killing and destroying so much. And so it's all been put into place. And uh, the interesting thing, I think, Steve, is that when we look at the, the people that are really trying to stop what we're, you know, this message from getting out, you know, a lot of people think it must be the meat, dairy, and egg industries that are really trying to stop this. And mm-hmm. in a sense, they, they don't like it too much. But the thing is, they're understanding, I think, that there is no future in meat. There's no future in dairy. The Senate just just approved a billion dollars to bail out the dairy industry. Last year, the dairy industry dumped 70 million gallons of milk onto the fields. And the year before, it was like 80 billion gallons of milk onto the fields, a million gallons on the fields because they wanted to drive up the price of milk because they're just losing money. Nobody wants dairy. People realize it's toxic. It's ridiculous. It's not food for humans. And so... Uh, so now the meat and dairy industries are starting to actually invest in vegan meats and vegan, uh, you know, dairy products because plant-based uh, eating and living is the future. There is no future if we're going to keep eating animal foods, and there's really no future in animal foods. So now what I've realized, and you've probably noticed it too, that the people who are most uh, against this message uh, is really the primarily the pharmaceutical industry, but even a lot of the uh, medical, uh, like. Uh, I was just invited to, to go to um, Fort Myers to speak, uh, and it's being paid for by the, by the, by the, by the medical industry in uh, Fort Myers because they realize that basically people that are eating animal foods are just so much more sick, and maybe that's good for profits, but in the long run, it's a miserable thing to have to always deal with these toxic, sick people. And now Kaiser uh, and, and more and more of the, um, the GM, the um, HMOs that understand the connection between food and, and health are mandating that everyone eat a plant-based diet because it's just so much better on every level. Economically, all these sick people, the obesity, uh, I just read the other day that the military is having a hard time even getting people to, uh, 75% of the people that apply to be in the military are physically unfit. They're obese, they're sick, they can't even, they're not even allowed. So on every level, uh, having a sick society is not a good idea, and animal-based foods cause that. However, the I think the pharmaceutical industry, unfortunately, is still pushing it. But the, the good news is we have people like you uh, and people like uh, the people that are listening and watching what we're saying right now who are questioning these official stories. So we're really in the middle of a massive uh, in a sense, um, a conflict of ideas, you know, it's sort of a, this battle between the forces of violence and abuse and the rising tide of awareness and, and conscious living that is our future, if we're going to have a future. It's interesting. It's like, come over to the other side. It's in, it, what I, so many things are going through my head right now because we've been interviewing lots of medical doctors on the show. The science is there. You can see, you know, there are hints. There's more almond milk and soy milk and things like that in the mainstream supermarkets and frozen vegan veggie meats and things like that. Great signs. But, you know, I'm coming home from the gym today. I'm talking to my mom. I'm like, you know, I talked to Dr. Joel Furman. He said more nutrient-rich foods. Maybe you and dad could just start juicing, getting some greens into your body. But there's all these reasons not to. All these reasons not to move the needle forward. What is it? So when you say time to wake up, why is it that some wake up? And if you're listening to this interview right now, thank you because you are starting to wake up and you haven't turned us off. Other people have and a lot of people have at this point. So, Dr. Tuttle, what does it take to get more people to wake up? Because we know it's crucial right now. You know, Steve, I think essentially the only reason people don't hear this message and change is because of fear. Uh, there is a deep fear of change. And people are afraid to, to see themselves in another light. They're afraid to lose something. 
people ask me, the, the funny thing is, like, as you said, Madeline and I have been traveling the last four or five years a lot internationally. We've been able to give lectures in Africa, in the Middle East, in Asia, in Australia, New Zealand, all over Eastern Europe, Western Europe. Everywhere we go, we talk to people who are, uh, who are vegans, people who are thinking about being vegan and so forth. The main reason people don't want to move to veganism is because of other people. They're afraid of what other people will think. That's the That's main Julie, Julie's parents. That's her mom. Yeah. She, if she's listening right now, I know she wants to do it. They're juicing every day. She just got her blood work back. It's been per, It's perfect. She's in her 70s. It's never been perfect. And she knows it's from the juicing. And, you know, the next step is to start eating just a plant-based diet. But socially, right. they don't know what they would do with their life. And that's a hard thing, isn't it? It is hard, you know. And it's interesting because in the United States – um, it's not quite as hard as perhaps like I know when, like when we were in India and some very traditional cultures where the, the you know, it's so deeply interconnected, the relationships, if, you can't imagine eating something other than what everybody else is eating. So usually when somebody goes vegan in India, the whole family goes vegan. You know, everybody does it, you know, because they, they can't tolerate anyone being different. And, but in the United States, we have a little more leeway perhaps, but still it's very, very different, difficult and different. But the irony is that when we talk to people who are vegan and we say, do you regret anything about going vegan? They always have the same answer. It is, yeah, I really do regret that I didn't go vegan sooner. <laughs> That's the main re the regret we hear everywhere is that, gosh, if I'd only known, you know, why didn't you tell me? I said, well, we did tell you, but <laughs> you didn't tell me it'd be so good. Now, the food gets better. Life gets better. Everything gets so much better. But the other thing I think, the other problem in a sense is that there are stages in veganism and, and the beginning stage is difficult because there's so much to learn. Uh, socially, as well as making meals that are delicious and, and nutritious, and then how to respond to the doctor when he says, oh, you're not going to get enough protein or B12 or whatever, you know, there's all these myths that we have to learn, you know, how to, how to uh, respond to. And then, um, and, then, and then we can get to the second stage, which is the stage of being sort of angry and frustrated all the time. We try to change other people. They don't want to change. We lose all our friends. We're fighting with people all the time. We're criticizing them. They don't like us. We don't like them. We think, oh, you're just eating meat. You, know, you don't know anything anyway. And so we go through this stage of, of, of maybe having kind of a lot of uh, psychological stress about the whole thing. So I think it's really important uh, to realize that it's important to, to understand our society and understand that anyone who's eating animal foods is, is like us. I mean, we're all the same. We're all, we've all born, been born into the same society. We've all endured having to eat meat and dairy growing up. Some of us have been able to question it. Some of us are still working on that and we haven't got there yet. But essentially, to just, I think, essentially share our own uh, story with love and respect for others because you know, we're essentially eating animal foods because we're following orders. And those orders were given in a very powerful way, ritualistically. You know, these meals are rituals, the most powerful ritual in any society to essentially get us to see the world through the eyes of our culture. So when we look at the at meals and we see the kind of foods we're eating, we have to understand that this is a very powerful ritualized learning that is not going to just be uh, – questioned easily or lightly and that everyone who does go vegan that's an enormous accomplishment in a sense we have to actually really trust a deeper wisdom than the programming we went through and that's not easy to do so it takes time it takes hearing the message many times from different angles it takes having friends and neighbors who are helping us and maybe mentoring us in some way and so I think for me, the, the, one of the big breakthroughs is to realize that really that I can only change one person in the world, and that's myself. I can, I can't, if I try to change someone else, they're going to resist. The best way to change other people is not try to change them. Just change myself and then plant seeds by just sharing my experience and talk about, like I said earlier, I'm so glad I realized that the only reason I was eating animal foods is because I was following orders and uh, I, now I realize those orders were not in my best interest. I'm not doing it anymore, and it's great. And we just say that. We plant a seed of truth, like you said earlier, and, you know, truth power and satyagraha. And that actually, I think, helps the person to later. They'll think about it, and they'll go, hmm, yeah, maybe I don't want to just be a bio robot just, you know, fulfilling a, a program that's not in my best interest. And they'll start to question that. And I think that's what you're doing. You know, you're, you're planting these seeds with love. And then we have to kind of let go, let the person make their own choice, but we can keep planting the seeds. <laughs> and I think that the more we do that, uh, the more we help, help each other.
it's working because my cousin Michael sent me a text. You know, he was like, you know, you were right. I'm, I'm eating vegan diet now. You were right. We thought, I thought you were crazy all those years ago. I, I laughed at He's a dentist in New York and he just wow. thought that this was, and all these years later, all the 26 years later, now he's doing it. His kids are starting to do it. And, um, and he sees a new light. He sees a new life. And I never put the judgment. I just live, same thing with Julie. I just lived this way and then she went this way and saw the changes. And, you know, that's... 26 years. See, that's amazing. Yeah, some people yeah. say, oh, gosh, you know, I've been a vegan for a year. And I haven't gotten anybody to go. <laughs> you got <laughs> to just keep planting seeds. And it, might, it took me like 10 or 15 years to get most of my family to go vegan. And I think, you know, that's part of it. We have to just keep planting seeds. That's love. right. And, you know, yeah. you talk about developing intuition. What, what were you going to share about that? Yeah, you know, that's what I wrote uh, when I was at Berkeley. I was very fortunate, I think, to get my PhD in education and to write a dissertation on educating intuition in adults because our educational system ignores the fact, which every society recognizes, that we have two modes of knowing. Uh, one, we use words like logic, analysis, intellect, and so forth. And that's the one that we focus on in our educational system. But we have another mode of knowing, direct knowing, intuition, revelation, uh, this spiritual uh, awakening or understanding directly. And um, I think essentially that when we begin to realize that we can rely on another way of knowing besides the social conditioning and the pure... Uh, just limited, uh, I mean, logic and rationality are great tools, but they have to serve something deeper. And I think, you know, if, they, if they're just serving the cultural program, then where, where do we have? You know, we just have a society that's based on more competition, more uh, uh, injustice, more inequality. But the inner wisdom that we have connects us to a deeper truth that what I am, what we all are, we are all expressions of infinite consciousness. We're all expressions of eternal consciousness. That what we are essentially was never born and will never die. We have a physical body that we use as, an, as a vehicle to express ourselves, but that's not who we are. We're raised in a society that's very materialistic because we're eating meat and dairy, and so we're just based on reducing everything to matter. So we see cows and pigs and chickens as just bodies, and we see ourselves as just bodies. And we treat ourselves as commodities or instruments to be used. And we have a kind of a heartless economic system that pits people against each other in a competitive way where just a few wealthy people kind of control most of the thing. So we're all born into that to compete with each other. And that basically shuts down our intuition. And eating meat and dairy shuts down our intuition. So many people, I think most people who actually make a positive change in their lives it's because of their intuition. Logic definitely helps. It's definitely helpful to have logic, you know, and it's very logical to eat a plant-based diet and to, eat, to drink juice and so forth. But there's something more. It, we have to, a light bulb has to come on. <laughs> and uh, it, like, I, I, like you say, waking up, you know, we have to kind of wake up and realize that animals are beings, that we're not designed to thrive on misery, death, violence, terror, fear, pain, toxicity. You know, why would we want to, we have this beautiful body, our physical body. It's our one vehicle to express ourselves in, in this world. We, this is like a tower we, that we're building every day with what we're drinking and what we're eating. We would want to use bricks of, of health and joy and freedom and sustainability and love. We wouldn't want to use bricks of violence and torture and pain and despair and sorrow to build this tower. But that's what we're doing if we're eating meat and dairy products. And so the whole idea is to just, again, to question the official stories, to realize that love is much more powerful than this mentality of not caring and much more powerful than the fear that we have of doing something differently or, or not being uh, approved by other people because we may, I mean, it's possible we may lose a friend or two along the way. That's happened. That happens, you know, if we, if we make a big change in our life, like going vegetarian, going vegan, especially, but the great thing is we make new friends. You know, <laughs> there's so many uh, fantastic uh, new things that can happen. So it's like we, we close, maybe one door closes. I say, I'm not going to eat meat and dairy anymore. I'm not going to go to the zoo and the circus anymore. I'm not going to buy leather anymore. And I'm not going to buy fur and silk and wool. It's like, no, no, no. But there's all these yeses. I'm saying yes to kindness, to caring, to mercy, to tenderness, to making connections, 
And those yeses open up joy and freedom and health and happiness and sustainability. So people say, don't you give up a lot being a vegan? And I say, yeah, I give up disease. I give up misery. I give up sickness. You know, but I'm gaining uh, happiness and peace and harmony. And uh, there's, no, there's no way, I think, for someone who hasn't done this to really understand what it is. You have to actually go through the door to know what we're talking about. And we can actually connect with people without food. I mean, I still have a lot of my old friends, and they might be eating the way they eat, and maybe they're, they're not. And, but we can still talk, and we can still have deep conversations and, and respect each other for where we are. You don't have to lose your friends. Right. That's absolutely true. And uh, a, lot of, you know, a lot of friends, it just depends on the friends. You know, some friends will be fine uh, going to a vegetarian or vegan restaurant and, you know, and think, okay, I can, uh, I can, it's not going to kill me to not eat meat for one meal. And afterwards, I'll go home and have a hamburger all by myself. <laughs> right, right. My dad won't do it, but some of my friends will. My dad but, yeah. won't go to a vegan restaurant. He, he won't. Right. Right. But the good thing is, there's now, as you know, there's now so many uh, substitutes for these things that are really almost indistinguishable from the so-called real thing that uh, we could eat together a plant-based meal and no one would even know the difference. And uh, I think the, the good news, though, is like you're saying, there's, um, there's a basis for friendships that, that, that can go beyond uh, what our food is. And I have a lot of friends that are still not vegans, but we, we respect each other. We've known each other for, or, or relatives, you know, and and I think it's important to cultivate a sense of kindness and respect for everyone in our life. So how does, uh, you talked about it at the beginning, a little about psychological and spiritual health. How does that tie in? Well, that's the, that's the big one for me. And that's the thing that nobody's really talked about. And uh, it, it takes a long time to, to go into it. But I'll just say very briefly, the, um, the psychological and spiritual dimension is, is probably the most important because that has to do, like spiritual and ethical has to do with our purpose on this earth and why we're living. And the psychological has to do with really the inner landscape of our daily lives, how we're feeling and our attitudes. If I'm eating animal-based foods, I'm bringing into my body these toxic foods, but also attitudes, like I mentioned earlier, of disconnectedness. And, and disconnectedness, every meal is teaching me at a very deep level and reinforcing this attitude of don't make the connection between what's on your plate and what it took to get onto the plate. People don't want to think about that. Paleo people don't want to think about it. They'd rather think, oh, everything is grass-fed, organic, free-range, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been to many sanctuaries where there are animals that are rescued from factory farms and also from small-scale backyard operations. And I'm telling you, the, the cows, pigs, and chickens, and turkeys, and ducks, and geese from these operations, the backyard small-scale, organic, free-range operations are horribly abused routinely directly because of people are sadistic, unfortunately, and also because people are just don't have time to feed them or take care of them, and they suffer terribly. So we should never think that there's a way to eat animal foods that does not cause killing them and harming them, stealing from them, stealing their purpose, stealing their sovereignty. You know, let them be free. If we want to be free, we can let them be free. So this is the thing is psychologically, we're, we're, when we're eating animal foods, we're, we're eating a mentality of disconnectedness, uh, of violence, of might makes right, of privilege and elitism, of the domination of others, and especially the domination of the feminine. And I think that's a huge thing because animal agriculture is more accurately understood as sexual abuse. It's killing confining and sexually abusing female animals, stealing their babies and killing their babies and impregnating them over and over again on what the industry refers to as rape racks. I mean, what could be more horrific than that? We have this Me Too movement, which is, you know, women, which is very important, you know, wanting to be recognized that they're beings and that they're being, they've been abused by, you know, or harassed sexually. Well, look at these, look at cows, pigs, and chickens. I and mean, we should have a Me Too movement for them. They're, this is unbelievably horrific how they're, how they're horribly abused. And we don't even care. I mean, the fact that we're doing that and that we don't care about it, that we, we eat this and we cause this to happen, uh, we have to realize that this boomerangs back to us and it makes our relationships. This is really the reason why we have uh, so much stress and conflict in relationships uh, between men and women and in our society in general is because we're causing and eating so much stress and violence in, the, in, in, in our relationship with animals. This is massive. We're talking about millions every single day. Uh, and so... The, right, we're, we're actually eating the stress because if the animal is stressed right. before they're slaughtered, we're eating that stress, right? This is, this is well understood. I mean, there's stress hormones. We're eating the, the stress hormones uh, that the animals have. Plus, I think we have to realize 
that there's a there's just violence in that in the flesh and secretions of animals. It's well understood that we're we're eating we're causing and eating terror and fear and pain, and uh, and we're disconnecting ourselves from that. And we're we're pretending you know that everything is fine that we're good kind loving people. We just like having a good steak and having like having a milkshake and, and cheese and so forth. We have to realize that there's consequences to that to other beings. And if I just look the other way, uh, it's devastating. We understand that when we look back 150 years ago to South Carolina and see the horrific abuse of black people by white people and how, you know, it was a nightmare for the black people, but also the white people, they were very hard-hearted and and it created a terrible thing. It was bad for everybody. So liberation is good. (laughs) Liberation and respect and kindness are the foundations of all the world religions, the foundations of all positive social movements, the foundation of all healthy relationships, the foundation of all healthy and happiness in our lives. Animal agriculture is the antithesis of this. It harms us physically, but it, it makes us ethically immature. It makes us psychologically disconnected. It makes us emotionally disconnected. And so really it's painful in a way to face this. I think a lot of people are afraid of the pain. They don't want to face the fact that they've been causing so much suffering and eating so much suffering. But look, the good news is we can stop and we can actually heal. Our body will heal. Remember the, I remember those ads for, the, for um, cigarette smoke, against cigarette smoking. They, they showed how when, when you stop smoking, your lungs, they go from black back to healthy pink again. And the same thing with our body and our mind. It starts healing again. Everything gets better. Everything gets happier. We can heal. We can help other people heal. So it's never a good day not to go vegan. <laughs> well, he's Dr. Will Tuttle. His book, The World Peace Diet, available on Amazon, along with his new one, Your Inner Islands, The Key to Intuitive Living. We'll have links to that under the show notes at Juice Guru Radio. Um, and if you, you know, if you heard this interview, if it moved you, please share it. Share it on your Facebook wall. If you're on social media, share the interview through Juice Guru Radio, JuiceGuruRadio.com. Let's get the message out and, you know, hopefully more people will wake up. Dr. Tuttle, thank you so much for being with us today. We'll take a couple of questions from the audience, but we want to close out the radio part of the show. But thank you for spreading the message. That just seemed like a perfect closing message, unless there was something else you wanted to share. And your website would be great, too. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you, everyone. And uh, yeah, I know it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really wonderful to be able to share this way. And uh, the website is just worldpeacediet.com or willtuttle.com. They'll take you to um, the book, all, all three books, actually, that we have, our tour schedule, our World Peace Diet training, Madeline's art, my music, and just the, the things that we're doing. And uh, we're happy to stay in touch with you. Phenomenal work. Dr. Will Tuttle right here on Juice Crew Radio. A real honor. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Steve Prusak, and we'll see you next time. And if you're watching on Facebook, if you're here behind the scenes with us from the Juice Crew Rewind, just type in your questions, or we can even bring you on video with us if you'd like to ask a question or two. We've got about 10 more minutes left here, right? Dr. Tuttle, you got about 10 minutes here? 10 minutes, yeah. That's good until the top of the hour. Okay. We'll take take a couple. I'll I'll, um, I'll I'll let you guys, a couple of people here, Sherry's here and Diane's behind the scenes. And if you're on Facebook, go ahead and and come on in and and, um, join the conversation. Let us know what you're feeling, what this brought up for you as far as, um, you know, your eating choices. Let me just see if there's some questions here on Facebook. So we've got a bunch of friends there, uh, Marcello and Arlene and Donna's here and Karen and Haley and Therese. Welcome, welcome. Okay, let me see. Um, Nan wrote in, excellent interview. I am not sharing on my personal page at this time. I really need a break, but we'll share on another page, and this will be my first share when I return to sharing on my page. Thank you, Will and Steve. All, all hearts. Great. Uh, Great. Allie wrote in, our actions do speak greater than words. Great news for your cousin, Steve. Thank you so much, Dr. Tuttle. I see Rob. Hey, Rob. I see lots of friends from the old school here. Ken, uh, how can we ever hope to have a changed life when we continue to have faith in our errors? The problem with having faith in our errors is that nothing in our lives will change for the better. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> having faith in a, del- in a delusion. <laughs> Donnie wrote in, we must be involved in our own healing by not listening only to the doctors and our inner wisdom. Right, Dr. Tuttle? Right. That's exactly right. It's really our inner wisdom. Yeah. Donna had a, Donnie also shared, yes, plant-based has kept me cancer-free. 
Right. The, the information's there. Thank you all for, for writing in. If there are any other questions, go ahead to it. And Diane or uh, Sherry, you're here behind the scenes. Any questions or anything you wanted to share before we close out? I can go ahead and unmute you. If so, just put your hand up if so, or you can unmute your mic yourself. Anything to share with us? Oh, in the chat box. Oh, um, Diane wants to know, how do I get this info to my friends without driving them away? Great question. Yeah, I think the, the main way to get this info to your friends is to just use I statements. You know, say that what you've discovered for yourself. You know, try to really avoid uh, anything that would make it look like you're trying to change them or you have a you you know you know more than they do. Just say, gosh, you know, it's so great. I discovered that I can get all the nutrients that I need to be healthy. Um, by eating a plant-based diet and, and I'm doing it and it's great. And, and, then let, and then don't say anything more. You know, just stop there. If they have questions, uh, they can ask you. Just plant seeds. There's a great line from the Bhagavad Gita. The, the teaching essentially is not, not to be attached to the fruit of our actions. In other words, don't try to say something to change somebody because people feel that and then they, they get upset. They, they don't want to talk about it. They, they, they feel you're trying to pressure them. So uh, just to, sh I think, share your own experience and, uh, and share perhaps the successes you've had or, or maybe the doubts that you had and how you overcame them. But just t tell your own story. Uh, also, I think sharing books, sharing recordings, sharing videos, uh, these can really help. You know, if someone reads a book or someone listens to a CD, we have a CD called Liv Living in Harmony with All Life. That a lot of people have listened to that and they go vegan because you know, then they are then you're not with them they're sitting in the car they're just listening uh or well, the world peace diet is a great one for that yeah, the world I mean, peace diet um you can listen to that as an audiobook or just or, or share it with people to have them read it or like links to the shows like this uh or videos like uh, what the health cowspiracy and there's quite a few you know i think the the you know share, just sharing uh resources with people and doing it in a kind and loving and respectful way uh, I think in, in telling our own story, uh, those are the fundamental keys to uh, not only effective advocacy, but also advocacy where we don't get burned out and we don't get depressed, you know. And if you do find people that really do not want to hear it, they get all bugged as soon as you say a tiny word, I think really the best thing is to, th there's a lot of people who are more open <laughs> to these ideas, you know, share it with them. If, if someone is really allergic, uh, and doesn't want to hear it, I think it's not a good idea to just to, 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 to keep bringing it up with them because um, that, that's, we can spend so much energy and get nowhere and, and feel like giving up. So there's a lot of people, and I'm sure you'll find them, who are interested and who are open and to focus on those. Well, I see we thank you for writing in, Diane. And I see we've got 11 shares on Facebook. Thank you. Let's get the message out. Dr. Tuttle, thank you so much for being here for your years of wisdom and always a great way of just honing in this message in such a loving kind way so we can just inspire you're such an inspiration thank you for being here so much gratitude thank you steve same same to you absolutely yeah what a joy dr will tuttle right here on facebook and on the jisco rewind bye everyone thanks for being here and dr tuttle until next time we'd love to have you back great thank you so the great work okay take, take care, care. thank you Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio. Find out more about us at juiceguru.com. Until next time, get your juice on.